Hello, and welcome to a podcast of Progressive Intent. I'm your host, Remixed. And I am Bamf of the sect Bamfius, who follows the path of Bamf philosophy. You can call me Bamf. And today we're here to uh, bring to you podcast number two. Uh, We've got some decent topics in store for you today. We're going to recommend some new books that came out in the progressive fantasy genre. We're going to talk about uh, what happened with Will. But before we do that, we want to let you know where this podcast is available because it is now available in more locations. Where can they find the podcast, Remix? All right. First and foremost, you can find us on Discord where we will have all of this information spread out for you and we will be making announcements and contests and uh, just talking with the Cradle community in general or just people that want to talk to us in general in our own Discord. And yeah, we are available on pretty much every major podcast uh, platform, including Spotify, Anchor, Google, a couple of other ones that I forget the name of. The only one that we aren't on currently is Apple, and that's because Apple likes to make everything a pod, uh, a process. Uh, so as soon as they... So we're in the process... Of being on Apple. Right. So we don't Sweet. know when, but eventually we will be on Apple Podcasts as well. And until then, you can find us at, uh, I think, six or seven other locations other than YouTube. And of course, you can always find us here uh, if you don't like those. Absolutely. Okay, awesome. So now you know where to find us. And now we're going to talk to you about some progressive fantasy books that have recently come out in the last couple weeks. They're the, the books I've read. A lot, a lot of progressive fantasy books have been coming out lately. Um, so in the early days of this podcast, we're going to talk about all the main ones, Cradle, Arcane Ascension, things like that. Uh, and then we're going to eventually start to pull in other books that we read that are a little bit more obscure. But we need to get this podcast going. So we're starting with uh, the stuff that you might have already heard of. Uh, but there are two books that I've read recently. Um, they are Arcane Ascension 3, which is called The Torch That Ignites the Stars. That's a book I've been waiting on for quite a while. Uh, and then Street Cultivation 3. Um, so back to the Arcane Ascension book. It's written by Andrew Rowe. It was released. When was it released? It was released on December 6th. So 10 days ago. And then Street Cultivation 3 was released on November 20th. So just under one month ago. Uh, I liked, I enjoyed both books. I uh, prioritized both books over everything else I was reading when they came out. Uh, and that, that tells me that the, the book is good enough to recommend to other people if it, if it steals my attention uh, long enough. Uh, so Remix, remind me, have you read Arcane Ascension? Uh, yeah, I've read the uh, first two. I haven't. I didn't know that the third one was coming out until you told me. Well, surprise! Yeah, look at that. <laughs> the podcast that. is even helping us out. <laughs> um, and have you read Street Cultivation? I've read the first one. I haven't gotten to the second one yet. I know we talked about it a little bit in the past. Uh, I did like it. Um, I just haven't have had the chance to get to the second one, and uh, I guess I need to do that now since there's even a third one to, to check. Yeah. Out, so. so Street Cultivation Three actually ends the series. Um, Sarah Lynn's going to be working on some other stuff. Uh, she's got so many projects going at once, um, which I'm kind of sad because book three was book one was good. Book two was okay. I didn't really know where it was going. And then in book three brought it all back and it was awesome. Uh, then it ended and it made me feel sad, uh, but it made me want to read her other stuff. So I, I think it accomplished what uh, she set out for it to do. Uh, and then Arcane Ascension 3 
I haven't, I hadn't read an Arcane Ascension book in a while. So I kind of forgot how the characters talk to each other where they like over explain everything. Yeah. And from like a world building perspective and as from like a reader, it can be, um, oh, hold on. Sorry. It, it, it can be kind of nice to like learn more. Oh, look, it's the, it's the dogs. They're, uh, podcast mascots are, are we, we have a live studio audience tonight with uh, the little pups in the background yeah if you uh, but yeah barking that's uh that's just my two little pups in the background they're uh they're all barking no bite quite literally so so, so <laughs> let's let's digress a little further what are their names uh so it's gadget and ellie uh gadget is the brighter one you can see in the background uh ellie is the uh, silver uh kind of gray looking one that's running toward a toward us right now um, okay. They're both seven years old. They are not related, but they may as well be. Um, they've been pretty much together since they were born. And yeah, they're they're cute and uh, definitely think that they're ferocious, but they're not actually. So Gadget's just like a grump, a grumpy old man. And Ellie is a happy uh, princess dog that gets spoiled. So <laughs> nice. They're definitely both purse dogs. Well, they're cute. Um, but yeah, let's get back to Arcane Ascension. A lot of uh, world building in the dialogue, which is always interesting. Like the way they think through problems by just talking it out. Uh, it's interesting, but uh, it progresses the story. Um, we got to see more spire climbing. We got to see a different spire for the first time, which was kind of nice. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I prioritized it over everything else I was reading. So because of that, that's my benchmark. So if you've read the first two, definitely read the third one. If you haven't started the series, the first book, Sufficiently Advanced Magic, is really good. So uh, definitely a series to, you know, wet your teeth on if you haven't. Is that a saying? Wet to your wet teeth? Your or teeth is it? Or uh, it's like, cut it your teeth. Now. Cut your teeth cut on your it. Teeth on. <laughs> yeah. Wet whatever. Your teeth on. It sounds a little strange. I guess, wet but. your teeth on the Arcane <laughs> Ascension series. Uh, yeah. it's, it's worth a read. I absolutely think it's worth a read. Yeah, absolutely. Check that out. Cool. So that wraps up us the the new books that I was aware of that came out. Um, if you're aware of other books, those of you that are listening, let us know uh, either in the comments of the YouTube or on Reddit or in the Discord. Let us know so we can um, you know plug more good books. That's the whole point of this uh, this podcast. Right. So uh, moving on to uh, more cradle-related things, um, we have a fan art showcase that we're going to be doing, um, and Banff is going to be bringing that up. You'll see it. Yeah. If you so, are for those of you, for those of you that are listening, um, I'm going to uh, call out this artist's name uh, or her, uh, I guess her handle on on Instagram. Uh, she goes by jazzy.condra, K-A-N-D-R-A. And she makes really, really good art. Uh, she's also a moderator of the uh, Discord of Dubious Intent. And so she's she's there in the community, uh, but she's one of the most prolific artists uh, in several different fandoms. So we're showcasing her because she's awesome. Uh, let's get her some more followers. Um, but I wanted to call out one thing that Few artists' artwork becomes a meme in the community. Condra's artwork does become a meme in the community. Uh, in the early days when she was drawing Ethan, uh, she drew him the way he's described, and uh, the trolls commented on his nose. 
And so Ethan's nose became a meme for a while. Uh, then uh, Malice uh, became a meme for a while. She even uh, she drew Malice and people in the comments complained. So then she drew like a thick version of Malice uh, to troll them. So uh, her artwork becomes a meme. And the most recent artwork that became a meme, uh, currently it is... Currently, it's the third picture on her Instagram, and it is it is Bims, uh, the <laughs> Bims, the one and Bims, the only. Uh, she drew a really cool, um, you know, cartoony version of Lyndon uh, breaking through a star uh, into the void, and the the concept behind this, uh, I think, was. You know, like in games when you like collect stars or collect coins, that's like your points. And uh, she wrote cursive you know, to kind of like sign it, but her cursive, instead of looking like points, it looks like BIMS. And so across all the different social networks, uh, BIMS uh, has propagated and now BIMS is real. And uh, I'm going to campaign for BIMS to be uh, the mascot uh, alongside, uh, was it Ellie and Gadget? Yeah, it's a, it's a good pet name for sure, BIMS. It's definitely the next BIMS. name for me. BIMS the cartoon Linden. <laughs> so it's awesome. Uh, go check it out. Go go get comment on that picture and say, you know, uh, Bims one, Bims all. <laughs> but show Condra some love because she she recently, you know, posted two really awesome new pieces. One is uh, it's titled something Rose Gold, but it, it shows our three most prominent Aurelius people, past, present, uh, and potentially future, Iberian Aurelius. Uh, Claudia Aurelius, and then our one, our only, Ethan Aurelius, and it's it's phenomenal. She did a great job. Uh, so that's that's the call out I wanted to make. Um, mainly, I wanted to call out Bims because Bims is Bims is the future of Cradle. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, definitely give her uh, a follow if you haven't already. And, and uh, she she out. does take commissions. So whenever uh, if you have a a scene you want illustrated that hasn't been illustrated yet. Um, hit her up. Uh, she's a high quality artist. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so next is uh, just a small update on what I have been doing in Unreal Engine on the cradle. Yeah, speaking of art, show <laughs> us your video game cradle art, uh, or, or at least give us an update. Right. So I will have something to show you guys next week. Um, I don't think we have time for it tonight, and I'm not quite ready to show the status yet. Um, but uh, a couple of things I've been working on, other than the look and feel, like I said last time, uh, is I have two art styles um, that I'm trying to decide between um, that I will show up on the next podcast. One is like a more cartoony, stylistic kind of uh, world where uh, it's a little easier think to like make. Fortnite? Yeah, uh, looks Kinda a lot like, like Fortnite. Fortnite uh, at, kind of thing uh and the other one is like a hyper realistic um indistinguishable like from the real world kind of thing like yeah it, PUBG or uh maybe uh call daisy or something like that oh, okay yeah. uh as far as landscape goes there's no guns obviously but uh the um the yeah the art styles i, I like them both and it's kind of hard to decide uh which one to go with and i really need to decide because i definitely can't keep making assets uh all right for, listeners another <laughs> poll let us know. Help Remix decide. I'll ask Will, but let's let the fans choose. Do you want to see more of a Fortnite-y look in Sacred Valley? Or do you want to see more of a PUBG, 
you know, Call of Duty, real, realistic looking Sacred Valley. Um, I've the video I made was more of the Fortnite looking Sacred Valley, I believe. I've seen some screen captures of the realistic view, and it looks sick. It does look sick, but uh, I think Remix, you want to give the fans what they want for it to be like a little, you know, right. Sacred Valley Discovery Zone. Right. So uh, that was a very early version of the stylistic uh, thing that I sent you. It doesn't look anything like that anymore, but uh, (laughs) that is kind of like the direction at at the very least. So it's like a lot less details, uh, small details and stuff, obviously, but, you know, um, more cartoony, like I said. So anyway, other than that, I've been working on getting storms uh, to work. Um, That isn't so much of the problem as, um, yeah, over Gradefather specifically, getting a storm that an isolated thunderstorm right over the that mountain and then have it snow over another mountain and then have it not be doing that over the other mountains and like having a whole weather system within sacred valley that it's basically four different weather systems over four different mountains that are close ish together uh most weather systems not hard at all yeah they don't like to do that um so i've been working on it uh and it's a pain in the ass. So if you know how to do weather in Unreal Engine, please reach out to me because I am beating my head against my desk every night when, I, uh, when I'm trying to figure out how to do that right now. Bad um, for podcast production. So somebody help him out uh, so we can get into our uh, offices more and, and, and speak uh, progression fantasy on the podcast of progressive intent. Right. So, yeah, we do eventually want to use it as a tool to, uh, you know, to get in there and uh, to let other people explore and all that. But we've been, we've been over that. So that's the status of the Unreal Engine. You'll get something to actually see the next time we record our podcast. Um, and I really hope you guys end up liking it. But, yeah. So uh, next up is we're going to talk about uh, this thing that happened with Will, uh, which is that yeah. thing is a break. <laughs> uh, he needs to take a break after uh, a rest. Yeah. Um, which is well, well deserved. Okay. I have a lot of, a lot of thoughts on this. Okay. So if I talk too long, let me know and we'll switch perspectives because, uh, I, I'm a, a ripe old age of 30. Uh, I think you're thereabouts as well. Yeah. yeah. And once First of all, I wrecked my health in college, not from partying or anything, but from like just not sleeping because I, I didn't balance my life well at all. When I got into the real world, and I had a job. I found myself not having any fun or not letting myself relax, you know, just being dumb. And uh, what's it all for? Right. And mm-hmm. I always thought that if I was able to work for myself, not be a salaried employee, have my own business that I could escape the quote unquote rat race and be able to live life on my terms. Well, Will has done that and he's still working his ass off to the point where he's reaching burnout. So this is a, it's a trap that finds us all, right? We, I have a boss at my job, right? You have a boss at your job. Will's boss are the fans effectively, like the people who buy his books And, you know, coming from like one of the top fans, Will, yes, we approve your perm, like your infinite, you have infinite PTO, basically, (laughs) you know, you you have unlimited PTO, you can take off as long as you want. Okay. Uh, This is a good thing. Yeah. And speaking on burnout. What are your thoughts? Yeah. uh, I've definitely dealt with it. Uh, 
being uh, a 30 year old myself, almost 31, I've uh, I discovered my passion for uh, computers pretty early on uh, in my life, and um, I'm lucky enough to do what I love uh, for a living, uh, which is to uh, program, uh, to write programs, computer programs, and all that. Uh, but even still, uh, I have to remind myself to step back into to chill out sometimes uh, and or to do something new or to um, to take to not program basically so that's actually kind of what we're doing here um, for me anyway is like this podcast and reading and um, taking a break from something that I love to do but something that if I do it too much uh, I'll run into an issue that I'm sure will has run into a couple of times which is uh, is burnout. Like if you, if you do too much of the same thing over and over and you never let yourself take a break, you'll end up hurting your own performance on top of, uh, disappointing, uh, the people that are closest to you because, you know, you're always a work, you're always working, never taking time for yourself and your family, uh, to do what you want. Yeah. There's a, a lot of, a lot of nuance and things that go into, into burnout alone, but I can tell you that it's a, Good thing for us in the long run for Will to be taking a break now and not after he releases a book that we hate. Um, also, the crazy thing is he's taking three months off and it doesn't change the release schedule. Like as soon as when as soon as Winter Seal came out, most of us were like, all right, the next book's gonna be in April. April, May, right? Whenever he wrote his blog post, he says, I'm taking three months off, but I'm still gonna keep the same schedule. So it literally affects us none. Other than as a fandom of, of progressive fantasy in general, we really should be supportive of our favorite authors finding balance in their life and not just, you know, writing their fingers off because they feel, you know, like their soul tethered uh, to the whims of their fans. No, that's, that's not how it should be, right? We, uh, we appreciate the art that they create. And uh, they don't really answer to us. Sure, we can let them know if their books are great or not based on how many copies that they sell or that we buy. But I, th- I think this is a uh, for a lot of the young listeners and like the young readers of this genre or of any genre. A lot of you might be going to college soon or might be just entering the real world or might still be in high school and balancing your own life without having oversight from someone else is not the easiest thing in the world. Uh, It's a skill and it's a skill that not a lot of people get a lot of time to practice Uh, because once you enter the real world, you have bills, uh, you need to manage your finances, you know, then you need to manage your hobbies and uh, pursue your passions, try and find uh, fulfillment in your life. And that leads to happiness. Uh, this is something that you're going to face eventually if you're not facing already. Uh, and it's, it's definitely a good start to try and, uh, empathize with the creators out there that are working their asses off to make a living. Um, and don't have the opportunity to take as many breaks. Will, you have a lot of opportunity to take breaks. You can take as many vacations as you want. Like I said, unlimited PTO, uh, we, we, we approve it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, uh, I can't see any other, uh, any other way to put it other than take the time you need off, especially after, uh, 
the amount of success that you've seen. Uh, you definitely deserve however much time that you need to to stay healthy and happy. So definitely. yeah, let's let's actually talk about like the timeline, like how much time, because that's another thing that I feel, especially in America, isn't talked about very often. It's acceptable in the workplace for someone to take one week, maybe two weeks off. In my opinion, that's not long enough to like de-stress, disconnect from work and actually start to relax and actually get the relaxation and recovery that's needed to come back to work feeling sharper and with more creative energy. Uh, so the fact that he's taking several months off is it's great. It's like a sabbatical. Um, I think if you're financially independent and you're a creator, you should do that at least once a year at least once a year because you, you can. And as a creator, getting that, that, that space from your work, you know, allows for ideas to flow, gets your creative juices going, gets you hyped. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear about some new series or something like, I mean, obviously no pressure. You don't have to write a new series. Well, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes off on vacation, enjoys himself and like a month and a half, and like a half in, he has a great fucking idea for a magic system mm -hmm. for like another iteration or something. And uh, he like creates an outline in his head for like a future project. Yeah. And it wouldn't have come about if he hadn't taken the, like the time away. It's actually, uh, now that we're talking about this time off, it's actually reminding me like about one of my favorite things about um, Christopher Paolini's books, actually. Um, which are the elves um, and how they live their way of life. Um, if you remember, it's been a very long time, so I might misspeak here. I'm sorry, any Aragon uh, fans or Inheritance fans, uh, definitely correct me if I'm wrong. But um, so in uh, the, uh, I can't remember the, any of the names, but in the area where the elves live, they've uh, pretty much evolved past any sort of basic needs uh, not being able to be met with little to no effort. Um, so their society is based on hobbies now, uh, where they are doing what they love for, you know, centuries at a time. Uh, so you have, that's why you have the best of those people. Uh, like generally elves are the best at everything, at least in that, in that world. And that's because you need yeah. someone in that society has mastered it. Yeah. You never find anybody that doesn't enjoy what they're doing. Um, or at least you very rarely do. So like the swordsmith, uh, I can't remember his or even if it's a woman or not. I think it might have been a woman. It was a uh, woman. It was yeah. A, uh, yeah, that helped him create the sword. Right. Um, so so she was the best because that's all she did, right, uh, was make those things, um, the, make the weapons and, and I think armor. Um, and so it's kind of like a similar line of thought where uh, he's following uh, – I say he is following, but uh, Will, I assume, is following his passion by being a, a creator and a writer. And so when he feels the need to take a break from the thing that he loves, um, know that it's definitely going to be for a good reason because <laughs> uh, he likes to write. It's not like he's uh, it's not like he's at his day job and he's tired of doing it and he wants to do something else and he's never coming back. Right. So maybe he is tired of doing it and that's why he's taking a break. And so yeah. that he can like, before he gets to the point where he doesn't want to do it anymore. He's just tired of it right now. Like, I mean, okay. I am not an author. I do write a lot. I write a newsletter every week. 
I have to write a chapter in the in the the rough draft that I'm writing, or I owe I owe my friends money. By the way, I never told that like I had just started this challenge and I hadn't told them that I was going to pay them if I screwed up. And so they listened to the podcast and they hit me up and they're like, Ooh, we get paid if you don't turn it in. Uh-oh. And I was like, yeah, no, I, I own that completely. Nice. And so this week they were, they were fucking savages about it. Um, and so I felt like an obligation to finish writing. So um, I ended up writing a bunch one day and I just thought to myself, I probably wrote like one sixth of what Will typically writes in like a really productive day. I can only imagine like how tiring that would get after many days. And, you know, albeit Will doesn't, he said that he doesn't write every single day. He'll, he goes on like writing binges or he'll like go on a cruise and instead of like going out on excursions, he'll take advantage of the fact that he's like away from everything, doesn't have internet and he'll just like blitz out, you know, 70, 80% of a book. That's amazing. That's yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Right. But even so, like that has to be so draining. And then coming off of writing, uh, the end of the elder empire series, which was a series. He took like half a decade off. I think it was five years between, the second books and the, f- the final two books are like book three of both trilogies. Right. I can only imagine how tough that was. So again, we can only uh, beat this dead horse so many ways. Um, you get, true. you get probably f- let's do four thumbs up. Uh, come on. Th- three oh, thumbs I'm up. Sorry. I, uh, I was zoned four out there for a second. For, uh, four thumbs up. Got it. <laughs> for, for Will's decision. Yeah. So, um, Again, like, what a professional. Like, his timeline doesn't even change, which I don't know how he's doing that. But uh, props to them for that. That's cool. All right. Uh, do you have any closing remarks on this, or do you want to transition into the uh, the icons uh, crazy theory discussion? I think it's time to talk about some crazy theories. Uh, and so. so it's less crazy this time and more of me trying to figure out who I think has what icon and maybe even like what icons even exist. Um, so I guess and at first my job to tell him if it's plausible or if it's bad and then like right. eviscerate his bad thoughts. And most of my thoughts are bad. So, uh, and not in a way that is a good, never mind. Uh, <laughs> See, the, uh, he, proves it. he proves the case. In <laughs> All right. What monarchs have what icons and why? That's the key. Why? Right. So I feel like I almost need paper here, but I'll just bring it up on my notepad here. So I want first thing I wanted to do is what icons have actually already been proven to exist. So we have the what is it? The strength icon. You, I believe you make it. You made a video on this, right? I did. I so, made a video on it. Um, so we won't go too much in depth. Yes, but, yeah, I don't. I don't want to. Rip, I don't. So strength, the, void. There's four badges of, of Sacred Valley. Um, the scepter, the arrow, the shield, and the uh, hammer. Those are all icons. You have the void icon, which is the empty, so that's the fifth badge. Um, you have the sword icon, which was the first one we heard about. You have the dragon icon. You have the heart icon. You have the blood icon. Mm-hmm. You have the winter icon. Mm-hmm. You have the forest icon which i didn't call out in my in my video but a commenter called it out uh, the forest sage 
uh, was the one in charge of zeal and gave up on him uh, because he's zeal. Uh, uh, so that's the, that's the forest icon, which leads me to believe that there is a fire icon. There is a, what is it? It's the, the, the five elements in, in Chinese earth, culture. Uh, oh, uh, like, it's like, um, wood, water, fire, would forest be the same thing as wood here, or you don't I, think I so? Don't I, I, th I think forest is wood. Okay, so yeah, but it doesn't matter. Um, like we're we're digressing. There's the strength icon, of course, um, and then we can draw we can draw conclusions that there are icons that are related to the various uh, divisions in the Abaddon. They're not direct correlations, uh, but there are some divisions that have rather obvious uh, icons based on what we've seen right. so far. So that actually brings up the first thing that I wanted to talk about. I don't know. So I think fate, uh, I'm not sure if that could be a possible icon or if maybe I'm saying the wrong word, but I don't know anyone who's ever called out the fate icon before I called out the fate icon in one video. And now everybody keeps saying that I like think the fate icon exists. Right. I, uh, so the scepter, do you think is a, uh, I guess like the name for the scepter icon would be it. Look, there's no way it's called the scepter, right? So like the scepter uh, is a symbol of, of ruler, none, right? None, yeah, none of the badges in Sacred Valley uh, have been named. Right, like, there hasn't been named. We just have the iconography of it. Mm -hmm. um, so the scepter probably, it's like royalty or power or like um, ruling other people, like leadership basically right. um, if you're by everyone is being like the best leader or like a great leader or like a ruler or a, a like a like a royalty based monarch not like a power scale monarch right um, so you have ruler techniques and so there you think there is maybe a ruler icon somebody that like embodies a ruler uh, and you think that those are anywhere near like because uh, we have the yeah. uh, the monarch already uh, i can't remember her name um, yeah uh, luminous queen shamiara yeah, Sham, uh, Shamiara. Uh, you, I think that it's possible that because of the Madra she inherited, that maybe that's got something to do with the she, scepter. She, she inherited her mother's icon, and her mother inherited the icon of all the predecessors. Um, that's actually like a kind of a fun fact of, of how that works. Uh, yeah, the 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 spirit that you inherit is a spirit with authority recognized by an icon. So the icon passes down or the ability to like the representation of the icon in the spirit passes down. So the authority passes down. So you think it's, it's specific to that icon alone that can be inherited or is it every icon? That technique of that path, if the sacred artist is of a sage, or higher, like a sage or monarch, mm -hmm. the icon manifestation part passes down. Right. So it doesn't matter what the icon manifesting the icon. Not born or um, inherit it after they the give it that, up or something. The way that it was described to me is there's a grooming process that happens because there has to be there's like a compatibility compatibility requirement of that technique, and it has a chance of failure. But once the once the like let's say Luminous Queen Shalayala 
even if she wasn't dying and she had performed that technique to pass her spirit to her daughter, she's gone. Like she's dead. Like her memories are, yeah, like she's effectively dead. Her memories, uh, her knowledge, um, some like sliver of, or like echo of her sentience lives on through the spirit that she passed to her daughter. That's giving me some avatar vibes. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what she calls out like in, in winter steel when she gets tackled by, uh, her Harold, you know, keeper. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Spoiler. so, so yeah, I don't know what her icon could be. That's, that's your job. So you think she's has a right. scepter. So I was thinking as we were talking the, so the scepter icon, I think could be separate from how do I put this? This is a definitely a crazy theory because I have no substance to support this argument other than my own thoughts. But the what if there's a a linea a lineage icon, quote unquote? So like like um a bloodline icon maybe uh or something along those lines uh a way to to manifest your spirit or manifest an icon like the bloodline icon or something like that in such a way that your, uh, your madra is inheritable, if that makes sense. So like, I, it's so hard to describe what I'm saying. So like the, ro- the, so the I, scepter I, icon I, I wouldn't be in, right. So what you're saying is, is there some force of magical nature that makes you more capable of inheriting power or passing power down? Yeah, like and if an inheritance so, icon specifically. Yeah, is there an icon that is, if you were to manifest it, you could then pass that? So, okay, I kind of get what you're saying. So you, you probably got this idea thinking of how, like, monarchs have a royal bloodline. And you have, like, next in line for the throne. Mm-hmm. And maybe if, under unique circumstances, if you have a scepter icon and you're a ruler... As a ruler, you can then pass on your ability to rule to the next in line. Is that kind of the train of thought that you went down? Um, almost, except I th- think that the scepter icon is not part of it. I think there's a, this there's another icon that's specifically meant for inheritance, and they and they also just happen to have the scepter icon. I don't know. I'm gonna say that's a no. I'm gonna yeah. say if if you were to pair it to the scepter icon, you could have some like. Uh, you know, fudgery that w- that could happen to make some. I mean, because honestly, bloodline powers come from either a sacred beast ability that the sacred beast becomes strong enough to become a human, and then breeds with another human or another sacred beast, and then the child will likely inherit the bloodline right. of that ability. Or you have a monarch that becomes a monarch and then they can pass down an ability in a bloodline. We don't know the specifics of that. Right. But it's, uh, it's something that's been called out. So you have the original Shah monarch becomes a monarch via the ruler icon has very specific path that monarch's children have the mutated Madra, the royal Madra, right? Right. Which then lets them control others, look to be rulers in the minds of others, 
and sets them up to be more capable of manifesting the scepter or ruler icon. Then you eventually, because of their mastery over that specific you know, niche of authority, they're able to develop a technique that allows them to pass on their royal bloodline. Right. I could see like the, the sequence of events happening that way. And that's like very specific. So the reason why they had a mutation is because the ruler icon was the icon that was manifested by the first Shah monarch before the thing happened and their bloodline just happened to manifest itself in a mutation of pure Madra. Right. And now that we're thinking about this, I have another deviation <laughs> that um, I was thinking. So I guess if you have the scepter icon, uh, that means you are a, a ruler, uh, like kind of like you're literally manifesting the fact that you're like a king or a queen or whatever. Uh, if we make that assumption anyway, you could almost uh, force uh, the manifestation of that icon by using the icon itself. If that makes sense, like so, bec you can literally order somebody to to become what you need them to become. Uh, does that make sense? So maybe that's how they keep the bloodline. Uh, um, I think that's a bit of a stretch because an icon is a separate force of reality. It is a a reflection of a concept. We're getting super vague and abstract here, but it is a reflection of a concept that when it sees itself represented in another to a certain degree, mm -hmm. then it will manifest itself when that person becomes self-aware and declares themselves to have that, that authority. Right. So um, what I mean here, I think I described it wrong here then. So like, uh, let's take Lyndon for example. Uh, it's spoiler alert, by the way, for winter steel, <laughs> big spoiler alert. Uh, at the end of the book, um, you know, the whole uh, Winter Steel empty badge thing, uh, showing that, like, London's b basically been told uh, that he was empty, uh, even if it's only symbolically, since he was uh, a child. Um, mm -hmm. And it, in a way, made it easier, quote-unquote easier, for him to manifest the Void Icon. Um, at least that's kind of implied, I think. Um, so... If you have a if somebody that was able to manifest the scepter icon, uh, they are the absolute embodiment of a ruler, and they have royal madra, uh, quote unquote royal madra. It's not quote unquote. I don't know why I said that, but they have royal madra, and they can, uh, from their child's birth, they can raise them to to have the ability to manifest that icon. Uh, because they're they're kind of they can use their madra and they can raise them th that way, I guess, in, in a way I mean, to force them do down do that path. Mind. I'm sorry. So like we don't we don't know what the specifics are of the scepter icons manipulation of reality, but you still bring up a, a point that we can extrapolate to all the icons. Tim the Sword Sage trained Yiren to be a swordswoman a master swords person, swordsman, whatever, a, a master of the sword. And because of that, she represent, like she believed herself to be like, everything was the sword. However, in her mind, it was just a little bit different. Everything was her sword living up to her master's sword. 
So there is, it was, it was an imperfect. It was a step removed. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. So she, she couldn't, she was able to reflect the icon, but she was not able to manifest it. But he raised her to be a master of the sword and to think of herself as a sword. She's sharp. She cuts. The words that she says are sharp and direct. You know, she, her hair is very, you know, straight edge. Um, she solves her problem with offense, you know, uncanny how Ruby just wants to like stick people with swords. Right. Right. So Yaren thinks of herself as a sword. Uh, even true. though that, yeah. So like that kind of, when you're raising someone, you can directly contribute to their self-esteem and their self-awareness and who they identify as, especially if you are long lived, have the wisdom of a multi-century monarch have all the power you know, all the resources and like the general knowledge of the world. Right. Yeah. You, you could raise someone to have the self-awareness and self-esteem that would be required to achieve the deeds necessary to manifest an icon. We see that with mercy. And so I'm, I, I have a theory and I've said it in my video. So it's whatever. I have a theory about malice. What her, what icon she manifested, how she manifested it and how she's basically grooming mercy along that path. Right. This is a pop, this is a pop quiz. <laughs> okay. What icon what icon do you think that malice manifested and why? Uh damn. Um the arrow? Yes. Oh. Yay. Yes. Yeah, because but, just based on what you said about mercy and you know she uses a bow and she has a tailor-made uh, okay. path. So what do you think the arrow means? Like what icon do you think it is? Hmm. Think of World of Warcraft classes. <laughs> the hunter icon? Yes. So yes. I was thinking more in programming terms that it's the arrow stands for a vector, which means a direction. But I, I don't think that makes any sense now that I'm thinking about okay. it. So the hunter so icon makes more sense. I think it's definitely the hunter icon. Um, because hunter is a, it's a concept like you're hunting prey, right? Right. Malice practiced a pure shadow path. What kind of hunter slash assassin or so, excuse me, someone who can meld into shadows and use the shadows to their best ability would be a pretty deadly hunter, especially out in the woods. We know that malice, you know, grew up on a battlefield effectively. Right. Uh, she rallied around her people, but her people were also like refugees were starved, like probably dealt with hunger. She had to go out and hunt. She learned how to use a bow. You know, she became a soul smith so she could create her own bow. Right. She used the bow to unite people, to quell rebellions, to defeat whatever. And her, whatever grew, she still uses a bow as a monarch. So I feel, yeah. I feel like she manifested the hunter icon uh, and there are many jokes that can be made about how she's still, you know, out there hunting, uh, you know, future uh, fathers of her of her children, of her future children. There's a lot of jokes that can be made. We're not going to go there. But <laughs> so I, I, I have a question, a follow up question for that is if that's the case, then shouldn't she be giving mercy a target to hunt for or uh, i get i don't know how you actually manifest a hunter icon to be fair or even if it's called the hunter icon but i guess 
what's the next step for for mercy um if she's mercy's, actually following the the path mercy's main problem is that she's never had to face death truly and fight and claw her way out of it like one of the things that i always hear uh, when I speak with people, this, we're getting super meta here, but like I have people that are like, they hunt with a bow and arrow. They have to like trek deep into the woods, public land out in, you know, like Montana and stuff. And they're hunting elk. They have to go deep into area that other hunters won't go. They track these elk. It's dangerous. Like they're risking their lives going out away from you know civilization to achieve this this goal to either bring food back for their families or whatever. It's dangerous. And mercy has never felt real danger in her life. She says it herself. She didn't grow up on a battlefield. She grew up competing in like tournaments, I guess she's good at games. Right. right. So she's a great archer, but she's a terrible hunter now though. Oh, so yeah. So I, I'm thinking that M- malice was like, you're like you, the prize you're hunting for is like the uncrowned king. But the problem was, was that wasn't for mercy. That was for everyone else. It wasn't like mercy's target and mercy then had to go and fight to save her brother's life, fight to save everyone else's lives. She succeeded in saving her brother's life by stalling long enough for help to arrive. Right. But that was the first time she truly faced death. And so now I think her, her huntress journey starts. That's I don't know a, what that means. She's different. She's like away from the group now. That's a good point. Uh, and I'm wondering if uh, she also needs to be made a target. Uh, maybe that's why this is also getting to be so much guesswork and so, so much less theory. But uh, because she hasn't had to feel that fear or anything like that, maybe – Maybe it's intentional uh, from from malice to have sheltered her in that way or to have her have been sheltered that way. So anything that she does, uh, like anything that does start to strike fear into her uh, is more effective because she hasn't had to deal with it before. So like I guess like Lyndon, you know, he's always he was used to it at one point facing death every day because he was an unsold. Right. And he had to tiptoe around everything. So he knows the fear about as an iron, as a jade, like every step. Yeah. yeah, he's faced death. I mean, shit, he went into Ghostwater as a low gold surrounded by peak true golds and he fought his way, clawed his way. I mean, he had some help from Zeal, but he got his way up to true gold within the Ghostwater facility and it all culminated with him defeating the preeminent, you know, true gold prodigy in harmony. Right. Yeah, so you're, you're, I mean, you're 100% right. Lyndon has had to, you know, fight through adversity, life and death situations, true sacred artist. Yeah. And mercy has, has not. The problem was she's so damn skilled. She has so much inherent talent that she's born with that every, everything in life has been a breeze. She's like, I don't know what the analogy is, but she's like a a genius born into a wealthy family where all of her whims are, are given to her. She doesn't have to like work hard for anything. She doesn't have to struggle. She doesn't have to face like, you know, psych- psychologically shattering uh, hardships. Right. I mean, f- f- like her her aunt or her, I guess, 
niece in uh, in charity can re- like remove trauma from her mind with with her uh, heart heart like sageness. So yeah, like this was a very important step for her in her journey uh, towards manifesting any icon, um, much less the hunter icon. But yeah, that's what I think the arrow is. That's what I think Malice has. Makes sense. Okay, so uh, now that we talked about the hunter icon for a super, super long time, I think that the next, uh, oh, what I want to do is I want to think about what Linden, what the icon that Linden will manifest, if he will manifest another one, uh, is, because uh, I have two ideas. Um, I'm, I don't know if it'll be in Bloodline, um, but I think that if he is going to manifest another icon, it's um, the the hammer, uh, the forger I'm guessing is what the hammer would be. Um, I think that that's a pretty good possibility just based on his, um, so for one, he has this greed that we talked about in the last episode. And, um, one of the things that he's always greedy for is knowledge. Like he's always trying to learn, uh, something from somebody, uh, trying to, uh, uh, to get as much knowledge as he can to advance himself in the sacred arts. Um, so I think that the only reason why this may not happen is because of the dire circumstances that the, uh, the next book seems to be leading up to, uh, which is, uh, you know, fighting a dread God, uh, or at least trying to prevent everybody in Sacred Valley from dying to one. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure how much time he's going to have to practice forging and how much of himself he's going to put into, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, like, the fact that he's a soulsmith, I mean, the fact that he was able to soulsmith, like, uh, launcher constructs with his soul fire alone while, you know, driving a ship towards right. uh, some powerful dread beasts, and he was able to create, like, resonance cannons that way. He, he's, he's, he's a creator. I think the hammer icon is a great one for him. Uh, but I don't think it stops there. If I'm being completely frank, I think, I mean, obviously I, I'm probably the loudest fan of the, um, like the icon layering theory where, um, the, the more icons you manifest before you ascend, the stronger or the higher your, your threshold potential is for rising um, in the ranks of whatever organization you join. I think that's what Osriel did. I think that's what North Strider is currently trying to do. And I think that's what uh, our group will will do to some extent, but specifically Linden. Right. So, yeah, so uh, without going too icons? far into it, so the hammer, and then I think um, kind of not out of left field, but I think that an unexpected one is the shield. Um, oh, that's a great one. Right. Um, I don't think that's uh, so Lyndon has uh, maybe not quite. I actually also think that uh, Shield is a good candidate for Yaren uh, to advance to Monarch with, because of the revelation she had um, to be able to protect people um, that she cares about. Um, anyway, uh, we'll talk about Yaren later. But the um, the reason why I think Lyndon is most likely, in my opinion, going to do to manifest a shield icon next is because of their circumstances in uh, Sacred Valley that are coming up in, in the next book. Um, he is literally going to be trying to protect uh, his family. Um, and the um, it's kind of almost like starting another arc at the, I feel like the next book is going to be starting like a whole nother arc for Lyndon. And the fact that um, 
the original book unsold um, kind of everything that was uh, foreshadowed is starting to uh, to wrap up uh, in the sense that now the Dread God is there. He's about to protect them from what Serial showed him and his original fate. Um, and the last thing for him to do is to protect his family and his future. And I think that it's going to culminate into him succeeding to do that via the shield. Uh, unless Will like, likes to make us hate ourselves and maybe Lyndon dies in this book or something. But uh, Here's a thought. Remember how in Unsold, in fact, you very likely have recently heard this since you're re-listening to Unsold right now, mm-hmm. how everything in Sacred Valley comes in four. Yeah. I think Lyndon's probably going to manifest four icons and that's probably it. Uh, um, I think I think be... he's going to make the void icon, uh-huh. the hammer icon, the shield icon, and the strength icon, which it will like complete his complete transformation from the weakest sacred artist in existence. Well, um, I actually I think I'll do you one better, and I'll say he'll manifest four more, uh, and that the void icon doesn't what? count. Okay, uh, so. So for one, uh, so he's going to manifest eight icons. I was like, holy crap. No, 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 uh, not, not eight. Uh, it's going to be four in the book. And, um, so for one, Lyndon's breaking the mold. So the symbolism of him doing five instead of four would be hilarious. But, um, also unsold is the fifth badge, the unknown fifth badge, if you think about it. So there's four different, um, there's four different badges in Sacred Valley. And I feel like, uh, I don't know if he's going to manifest the scepter or, uh, I don't think he's going to manifest a scepter. Let's put it that way. I think Ethan's going to do that. But this is the great part about Will's writing. Will literally wrote a leadership arc for Lyndon and a hunter arc for Lyndon in Wintersteel. Right. That's very true because he started with the point. Like the points motivated him to become a leader, basically. Uh, when he found out about that, he turned into a leader pretty much immediately. Uh, and uh, so, anyway, uh, digressing before, <laughs> let's make the first no, point. But, uh, so the, uh, I think he's going to manifest the hunger icon. Um, what? okay. Okay. So I think that's going to be the next icon. It, if not the shield icon, it's going to be the shield icon or the hunger icon. If, if we go along with your theory of the, the four thing, uh, I actually think it might just be the shield, but if we t- accept that he's going to do four, it's going to start with hunger. Um, manifesting the hunger icon, I feel like is what he's closest to right now, just because it's, goes hand in hand with the void icon, if that makes sense. Um, okay. Because so like the void icon is emptiness, and now you have to fill that emptiness with something. I guess I don't know. That's a very loose so way quite, of putting it. Go ahead. Question. Why do you think there's a hunger icon? Uh. So, partially because of the. Thing like when he touched the dread god, um, the amount of like the hunger that it felt, it just seemed like it's so it's like such a power when you have that much hunger. Like it, it seems like that in itself is enough to uh, to like destroy things. I get I don't. It's hard to explain. Um, I think that if a hunger icon exists, no one has ever manifested it before because it couldn't have existed until hunger magia was artificially created and then you have the dread gods that were the first beings 
to reach the pinnacle of hunger related power in the iteration. So this is getting into some like metaphysical abstractions. How does something, how did the sword icon come to be? There had to be enough swords in enough places for it to become a universal concept. Right. Well, hunger, greed, I feel like is a pretty universal, I mean, it's one of the seven deadly sins, right? So it's a universal human thing. Um, and now we have one of the strongest iterations that has four monstrosities that are consumed by hunger. So perhaps at some point along the way, um, hunger as a force of reality or a concept of reality might have come into being. And so there, there might be uh, like the newest icon in the multiverse might be a hunger icon. I mean, it's right. an interesting concept. And I think that uh, one of the reasons why it's hard to, to understand or uh, not understand, but one of the reasons why it's hard to guess if there is a hunger icon or if what other icons there might be other than, you know, like the basic ones that uh, like fire, uh, like we haven't seen fire, but it's pro there's probably a fire icon, right? Um, I think it's because we don't have an understanding from the Abaddon's perspective. Um, like what do icons mean to the Abaddon? Uh, mm -hmm. and I you, think there's a world that like hints at this, but doesn't really say too much. Right. But yeah, go on. So I was thinking like, obviously North Strider's authority over the strength icon means nothing uh, as far as being able to, to kill the highest of the Abaddon, but it, I don't remember if it was a video or if it was in the audio book that I was listening to where um, it seemed implied that North Rider could kill low level Abaddon probably. Oh, um, I don't where it was. Do um, you listen to the podcast, the hidden gnome podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's where you heard it. It's from Deathmatch number three, where North Strider is fighting against Alan. Oh, and yeah. uh, he has like an internal monologue where he's assessing the situation. And he's like, I hope the Abaddon they pit me against now is stronger than the last one. Right. Okay. It implies that he defeated the lower level Abaddon. Right. So these icons actually do mean something. And I think uh, they're the source of strength for the monarchs in it. So, like your theory before about how. If you manifest several of them, you can kind of you go higher in the ranks of the Abaddon. So, like maybe the hunger icon uh, is, or maybe there's like an unlimited source of icons, and it's almost like showing uh, your your authority over not an emotion, but like a a way. Like you know how there's the way. So like maybe you like you're you have a way a specific thing that you are able to embody and so much it, like so much of yourself is able to embody it that uh it turns into your power like and that's like the because the way and the icons are like those are similar uh because like that's how you that's how you become uh a monarch and then monarchs for somehow can ascend uh past that like once you can touch the way the icons oh. have to have something to do with it right so yeah, I tried to make a video today and I went on a rant and I ended up like thinking like I discovered something, which it is a crazy fucking theory. And I just remembered it. And uh, I don't know if we're like allowing ourselves to curse on this podcast, but I've done it twice now. So I apologize uh, if we can. I will. I will use it to emphasize my points. But 
before I go deep down that rabbit hole, and I think that's what we should end the podcast with is that uh, once we kind of like move away from the icons. But I personally think Hunger Madra was created using both um, the authority over the void and the authority over creation. So the hammer and the void icons were used conjointly by Osriel. Osriel tried to create a balanced Madra energy source, whatever, for you know reasons. Right. Um, and he ended up like screwing it up. Um, and I kind of have this like super far-fetched tinfoil theory that he screwed it up because his fate was manipulated by some of the OG Abaddon that were originally from Cradle. Interesting. Super tinfoily. And we can keep talking about icons if you want. Um, and then I can go deep down the rabbit hole for you. It involves the nether gate. It involves sacred Valley. It involves the creation of sacred Valley. Wow. So let's, I think that is something that we're going to have to talk a lot more about than uh, for like five minutes. So maybe we should push that to the next podcast and then finish up with icons here. So we're not digressing over and over <laughs> because uh, I can barely follow my own conversations most of the time. But so uh, we're going to put a pin so, in that insane theory and definitely uh, leave a comment or join the discord and um, talk in the discussion about, about that and uh, give your theories to, uh, to either me or Banff to see uh, maybe we can get some more uh, substance behind that one for sure. Cause yeah, that sounds insane. Having Osriel, uh, uh, use both of those to create. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't even remember the beginning of what you were saying. He used the void and the creation icons to do what now? To make hunger to create hunger madra. Okay, we know so, that hunger madra is artificially created. Right. We don't know why. We don't know if it was create like when it was created. If it was used to create subject one, we know that you can use icons to bestow temporary life. What if Osriel used two icons to bestow temporary life and it ended up creating a level of existence that was evolved enough to sustain itself? Right. And then because it was hunger-based, it consumed and consumed until it got stronger. And then it was imprisoned, or it was already imprisoned, and then it was used for experiments by the civilization that Osriel was from. This isn't... This is like not even part of my theory, like my super crazy tinfoil theory. Right. Um, but before we uh, totally depart from this, I want to kind of give the a quick little breakdown of which monarchs have which icons in my eyes. Sure. Um, so the only one I don't know is Ragon Shen. I don't know what icon he has. I think he, if he did have an icon, it's the scepter. Uh, he considers himself the emperor of lions and then Sashat has considered himself the king of dragons. So I think both I of them had this. Go ahead. Sorry. So Ragon Shen has authority over space. Right. So the space icon. <laughs> is that a, is that an icon? <laughs> a lot of people are, are implying that the void icon might have a, an increased amount of authority over space uh, just because it's the void. Right. Mm -hmm. um, maybe. But if Ragon Shen 
adopts a or consumes a remnant that has additional authority over space and it allows him to create a path based around manipulating space. Okay, he has a crap ton of space authority, but space manipulating space seems to be one of the one thing, like one of the one powers that like everyone can do for the most part. There's a division based around the people that are like super good at it. But I don't necessarily think that means that there's a space icon. I think that if somebody has skill and authority over space and they manifest an icon like the the scepter or the ruler icon or they have um like the like the oracle icon or they can see better i don't know like i think that there are icons that grant additional authority like the void icon over space uh but i if i had to guess raygon chen might have the void icon but i don't think so i think the void icon is super rare because rarely does someone feel like they're the end or they're empty. Right. I think Osriel definitely had it, but I think Raygon Chen probably has the scepter icon. Um, maybe the strength icon. I don't know. I don't really want to go too far down the rabbit hole guessing multiple icons. I'm positive that Sasheth Kunaz had multiple. He's a dragon. So is it like common for dragons to get the dragon icon? Like, I feel like that's kind of a cop out. Like and it might be why there aren't that many dragon sages. Yeah, the the having the dragon icon, I feel like, is almost necessary if you're going to be a dragon monarch. But uh, that's just my. Uh, Here's the funny sense. part: how many dragon monarchs have we come across? I've only I can only think of one because the original Black Flame Empire had heralds. It didn't have a monarch. Right. So, have there been many dragon monarchs like ever? So potentially, what if he had the scepter icon first, and then he turned himself into you know like a human? or like a boy to pay homage to, you know, the kid that he was bonded with. And then he was able to get the dragon icon later, which made him like the king of dragons. Small tinfoil hat theory was, uh, there's like the reason behind him turning into a human is because he had already manifested the dragon icon and uh, turned himself into a human to manifest some other icon. Like, I don't know what icon it would have been, but like, what if it takes you yeah. too far away from that? Uh, I mean, like we know that he became a a child as like a tribute to the human that he was bonded with that was killed. But yeah, I mean, there might be some benefit of changing forms uh, with regards to manifesting. I, who knows? For, for for sacred beast, it's interesting. I don't know, but uh, I think oh, Malice has the hunter icon. Damn, I feel like a new tinfoil hat theory just pops into my head every time. You say something, but what if, okay, this one's cool. So we're going to say it, but then, then that'll be it. No more tenfold hot theories for me. I promise. What if okay. he did the human thing because he doesn't want to be overthrown by like, I don't know how their dragon hierarchy goes, uh, in cradle. Uh, but what if he didn't want to be overthrown and to prevent some other dragon from manifesting the dragon icon, he kind of like put it in, embed it into the culture to not want to be a dragon anymore. Well, that's only the case with the golds. I guess that's yeah okay so never mind tinfoil hat yeah. theory demolished. I, mean, I see where you're going. I see where you're going. Um, okay, so I think Tiberian had the water icon. Okay. Um, I think that who's left? Uh, <laughs> Emrys. Oh god, I don't know. Um, Emrys is tough. 
because she's a dream artist. She cares about knowledge. She cares about, you know, peace. Um, she was a tree. So a forest icon, obviously. I mean, maybe. And I, that, that, we don't have enough of enough icons. I think T- Tiberian, like I said, uh, he had the water icon. Um, who's who's left? The Eight Man Empire. They don't. Only a few of them have icons, and who the fuck knows what they have? I'm guessing the Winter Sage only has Winter and Sword, uh, unless there's a third one. Uh, nah, nah. She's not interesting enough to have three. Yeah. As a sage. But as far as monarchs go, what, am I missing any monarchs? We've talked about Malice. We've talked about North. Str- I think North Strider has the shield icon as well. By the way, um, we've talked about the Eight Man Empire. We've talked about Raygon Shen. Yeah, because he ma- he man he manifested multiple barriers. Twice in the book, I he thought, manifested barriers. I think he has uh, the hammer icon too. Uh, based North on Strider. Him. I think it's possible because like of how many, like he can create the, the spatial dimension things, but, and I feel like that needs creation on top of, uh, space or whatever we want to call the, uh, authority he has over, over space icon kind of thing. Uh, if that is an icon, like, I mean, how, how does he create those pocket worlds with just the icons he, he has? He grabbed like a ghost water. He didn't like, he didn't create ghost water. He like grabbed a uh, fragment of a dead world and bound it to cradle with his will and then shaped it to fit his purposes. Well, so I see that, but the, what about the, the gift to Yaren, um, the pocket dimension thing that he gave to her to practice. Um, he did, he implied that it was extremely difficult for him to create. I think. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know, but I think we're out of time. Um, so I think, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, we're getting pretty far tin foil down the road, but so, yeah. uh, everybody who watched, thank you for listening the whole time. Thank you for watching the whole time. Please let us know what you think. The competition for the title is still ongoing. Although I am, uh, very fond of, uh, a podcast of progressive intent. Right. But please let us know what's up. Um, and let us know what your theories are. Let us know what you want us to talk about and, uh, we'll go from there. Until next time, guys, thanks for uh, checking us out, and uh, remember to join the Discord. Later. All right, I got to go. Megan's yelling for me. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you later.